Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Best friends forever. Fantasy, best friends forever. That was weird. Back with you on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank You're doing Stample, a great Jeff job, you don't, doing a good, doubt you don't think I'm doing a great job? <laughs> I was doing a pretty good job. I mean, it's probably because you have some scruff, you know? That's what it is? Yeah. That's why you're doing a great job. Hmm. It's like the nicest you've been to me in months. Yes. Because Not I, like, coincidental. I like the beard. <laughs> Not coincidental. Once that goes, I mean, I'm going to find something to bash you about. No, you you're go. looking very dapper today, Greg. Look well, at you. You, you got a little, little roll-up action going yeah. on with, the, with your... You look nice today, too. Fancy sweater. You wear a nice button down. Yeah, I know. I like the sweater. This is, this is one of my favorite shirts, actually. This is one of my favorite sweaters, Polo too. Ralph Lauren. I can wear, the, I can wear the, like a t-shirt under here. I do that a lot. Do you have any polo shirts? They fit very well. I would Don't. like to buy more, but they're just like really expensive. This is Banana Republic? It's usually on sale. It's my Banana brand. Republic? Yeah. I like the polo stuff. I mean, we're wearing pretty similar shirts, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we look good. Okay. One might say we both look like picnic tables. I always, is it weird? I have a shirt like this and a shirt very similar to this. I always think I look like Easter when I wear them. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. You see that? Yeah, especially this too. It's like purple. It's like yeah. a pastel. That's the, that's ah. the term that they use. Mm-hmm. Like these bright, springy type colors. Speaking of spring, a lot of snow on the ground, Greg. How about that? Oh, God. The boots are back. Had to be back today. The, for the mugs. Wall. Had to be back. For Male the Uggs. Absolutely. The male Uggs. The mugs were on. Uh, I didn't even notice till right now. I would have started off the show bashing you instead. No, I had to, to scruff them, man. You know, someone, I'm like a walking ad for polo today, actually. Oh, yeah. I didn't even get polo boots. Those are polo cool. boots going That's on. Pretty cool. Polo shirt going you wearing Unicolo jeans? No. no. Not. I'm wearing Unicolo jeans. I'm sorry, Greg. I mean, we're best friends. We don't have to wear the same exact things. You try, though. <laughs> well, I'm not going to wear mugs. I'll tell you that much right now. That's a mistake by you. Do co- you want to try them on after the show? No. They're very comfortable. You want to try on your stinky male Ugg boots. They're not stinky. <laughs> They're very comfortable. Try right. them on after the show, man. It's more worth it. Okay. How was, how was your combine show last week with Ventra? It was good. Jim Day. It was good? Yeah, it was good. Are you getting, uh, you know, something that I contemplated texting someone today and I didn't. I don't know why. Probably just forgot. What else is new, right? Frank forgetting to text someone. Um, this whole, like, NFL Combine Twitter, I find it's very bad. annoying. It's bad. It's yeah, very it's annoying. Bad. Like, all the, oh, DK Metcalf, oh, he's going to be the next Julio Jones projections. Did you see him in the cones? His three cone drills worse than Tom Brady. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's exactly what I saw on that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that's all over Twitter. This stuff is crazy. I will say, someone like these defensive linemen who are running, like, sub 4 5. Ridiculous. Like, what? Yeah, ridiculous. Although, Crazy. So it's funny. I did see a tweet today um, from ESPN Jordan's Renan who was saying, yeah, like, you saw what Dwayne Haskins did in the 40, which is bad, but, like, the most important thing is the Giants like their meeting with him, and that's all that matters to the Giants. Yeah, what was Daniel Jones's 40, Greg? Doesn't matter, Frank. That's the next quarterback. No, it's not. The next quarterback of the New York Giants. Are the Giants and Jets going to make a trade here? Come on, Greg. I don't think so. I think the Giants will sit pat and yeah. just have the quarterback. I mean, they don't ever, like, when was the last time they moved up? 
I know, like, they never did it with Reese as a GM, and now they have to get So they Reese. never traded down with Reese. Okay. In did the they fir- trade it up with Reese? Not in the first round, but okay. they did trade up. They traded up for Landon Collins, actually. That's correct, yeah. Who are they going to let Early walk away? Who are they just let walk away? They're not going to bring him back? No. no. When's, like, their deadline to franchise tag him? This week, I think, right? Yeah, a few buddies of mine, you know them. Uh, Rob and Bip. They're big Giants fans, also big Landon Collins fans. Yeah, of course. So if he leaves, that'd be very bad. So basically, Bip he's going to say that his worst nightmare would be Landon Collins in a Cowboys uniform, which oh might happen because they need a safety. Greg, this is disaster. <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry that I opened up that possibility for you. So I mean, what's going to ultimately what's going to happen is the Giants, and rightfully so, they want to franchise tag him because like, he's hurt. They don't want to make him one of the highest paid safeties in football. He wants to be one of the highest paid safeties in football. So it makes sense to franchise tag him. In an uh, act of anger, he cleaned out his locker thinking he was going to get franchise tag and said, F this, I'm not showing up. How you franchise tag me? I'm not showing up to September. And the Giants have been like, yeah, we don't want to deal with people that don't want to be here. So I think oh, they're so just going to let him walk. That's it. <laughs> you watched Giants games closer than I did last year. How did he perform? I feel like I didn't hear his name much. Listen, I mean, he wasn't as good as he was in his all-pro year the year before, mm-hmm. but he's still the leader and the captain of the defense. And he was good. I mean, he's as good as any player they have on the, te- on the defense, which isn't much. All right, well, sorry, bud. Hopefully he doesn't end up a Dallas Cowboy. Mm-hmm. How about them Cowboys? Great. Baseball, Greg? Let's go back to baseball. All right. Do you, you want to say anything else on Paxton before we get to Tyon? Because I want to hear more on Tyon as well. Um... No, look, the, I think the home run stuff scares me a little bit. The hard hit rate was very high last year for Paxton as well. It was just kind of a weird season. Like, pitched with 376 uh, ERA. He had 208 strikeouts and only 160 and a third against pitched. Like, that's phenomenal. If this guy could go 170-180, I mean, you're looking at like 220 strikeouts from James Paxton. So, I get that upside. I drafted him in the fourth round of the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Okay. That is in a 15-team draft. I could let you know some pitchers that I took him over. Uh, I took James Paxson, and then the next two picks in this draft were Steven Strasburg and Jameson Tyone. Um, I will say, if Clevenger was there, it might have made the, 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 the decision a little bit more difficult. I have those guys ranked back-to-back with, uh, with Paxton and Clevenger, uh, but I do have Paxton ranked one spot higher. So I like, I like him in this range. Do you, ever lean toward the, do you ever lean toward the National League when you're saying, hey, Tyone's here, obviously Paxton... No. no? Okay. There's, there's not really... Uh, there was actually... I know there was numbers that came out uh, last year around this time when we were talking about Garrett Cole, Greg, Yeah. when everyone was saying, oh, well, Garrett Cole going from Pittsburgh to Houston, um, you know, it, it's much tougher in the AL, and I believe it was Todd Zola uh, who tweeted out the differences between ERA and leagues has, like, it, it's not a thing anymore. Like, there, it's actually very comparable ERAs between National League pitchers and American League pitchers. Well, maybe, you know, maybe there's just better pitchers in the American League. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think like there's really good pitchers on both sides because obviously Scherzer's in the National League and DeGrom's in the National League. So, um, yeah, the ERAs in both leagues are actually quite comparable. So I don't think the uh, AL versus NL thing is, uh, is much of a myth. I will, I will say, you know, regarding Paxton leaving Safeco, he has been much better in Safeco in his career than he has been outside. So okay. we'll see what happens. But he is a super talented pitcher. And, um, you know, the Yankees, in terms of, like, analytics and... and you know, developing pitchers, they've done a little bit better of a job, obviously, with guys like Severino over the past couple of years. So I think that they'll be able to, like, mitigate Paxton's deficiencies, if that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I, I, I think that, that ultimately makes Hopefully sense. Hopefully that's not just a Yankee fan of me talking. Oh, it is. Like, who would you, like, would you rather have Paxton or 
to me, there's like this group of Clevenger, Tyone, mm-hmm. um, Flaherty, and Corbin who are all kind of going right around him. Mm-hmm. Who might be safer for innings pitch, but like mm-hmm. on, a, on a per inning basis, Paxton will be better than those guys. Probably so. Yeah, probably so. So it's basically just like, what do you want? Do you want like 190 innings of Jameson Tyone giving you a three, whatever, three six ERA? Yep. With a solid whip, like a 1.15 whip. Yep. And, you know, maybe 180 strikeouts? Or do you want 160, maybe 170 innings pitched of James Paxton with maybe a little bit of a better ERA and way more strikeouts, right? Like 210 strikeouts. Mm -hmm. So you just, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what do you want more? Strikeouts are a little bit harder to come by. But of course you need help. You need health in your rotation too, so. Why can't the answer be Patrick Corbin? Who's giving you the strikeouts, right? Probably well, giving I just, you the... I, I just kind of let you inside the mind of Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what Matty Mo said, I, I can't really disagree with, right? Like, he's doing something differently, but, like, taking away the fact... Like, he's not using his fastball and his other pitches as much, and he's throwing his slider 40% mm-hmm. of the time. So maybe just throwing it more makes it that much better of a pitch. Uh, hadn't been something that I really considered. I don't know, man. I just kind of feel it. Like, I feel like we're just paying for the career year from last year. He's good. He is good. Like, he was, he was awesome. Like, Every metric you look at is good, man. was, like, second best in baseball behind Scherzer. What else are you looking for? Uh, you could have him, Greg. I'm going to. I have no problem I'm with Patrick sure. Corbin. I, 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 on the team that we share together, I don't really want him. Really? No team that we share together? I don't, I don't really want Corbin. I don't know. I, I got a feeling. Maybe, maybe it's not warranted. I don't know. Okay. Okay. You mentioned Jack Flaherty in this tier as well. And I get the tie-on thing, right? We talk a lot about James Paxton here just now. James Flaherty is, without question, also, or Jack Flaherty, excuse me, is, of course, in this tier. Flaherty is the 23rd pitcher off the board right now, and we'll get to Zachary and, and Clevenger as well. Is Flaherty an Irish last name? Yes. I don't know. Like, like, like oh, Flaherty's. That's exactly how, like, when, when you're calling out Jackie, I just imagine, like, an Irish guy, like, hey, Jackie boy! Jackie O'Flaherty, want a drink? Jackie O'Flaherty, want a drink, Jackie hey. boy? Something like that. I think I'm doing like Canadian. Too. Same. I'm not we're both there. Yeah, we're not. both there. Huh? Irish uh, accent, not so good. Jack Flaherty, Zachary, you going off the board. That's how I imagine people say his name, though. Basically. Jackie O'Flaherty. Uh, going back off the board. Um, and we just lost our Irish listening audience. There weren't much of them. Um, back to back here. Uh, Clevenger is like a couple of Found out for my 23 and me, I'm actually very Irish. Greg. So you so, can say, so you should have a better so accent. I'm allowed to say, yeah. I'm allowed to say Irish accent. people, I'm Irish. You, you, do you like Jack Flaherty? <laughs> yeah, just flat out. Do you like Jack Flaherty? Um, I do like Jack Flaherty. I, I think he has the ability to turn into an ace based on uh, some of the underlying skills here. I mean, a 13.4% swinging strike rate. We're talking about that in the same range as Luis Castillo, again, with uh, with Noah Syndergaard. Now, he didn't go enough innings last year to qualify as a qualified starting pitcher. Jack Flaherty, that is. But a 29% strikeout, that was top 10 among starting pitchers last year as a rookie. That's pretty impressive. Extremely. Swing strike rate is there. 93, 94 miles per hour with a sweeping slider. Both pitches were ranked inside the top 20 in Fangrass in terms of pitch values. So he's not one of these guys where, like, his fastball is really bad and he can never use it like Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo's fastball, Greg, top 10 worst pitches in baseball could, last year. You waited until Modica was off. Yeah, yes, I, I did. That. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't want Modica to hate me too much, but right. it was ranked in the top 10 worst fastballs in baseball last year. Basically, he throws it 96, 97 miles per hour, but it's straight as an arrow, Greg, uh-huh. and it's getting squared up. And 
You actually saw Justin Bohr over the weekend. Square one up. Justin Bohr. Against Luis Castillo. Frank texted me to make sure I saw it. Yeah, I had to make sure. <laughs> so, uh, again, we didn't bring it up all Modicos here because we don't want him to hate us. But uh, with, with Jack Flaherty, I, I think the skills are there. I, uh, the one thing I worry about is the command, right? So I looked at his month-by-month ERA, and his two worst months, I believe, were it was like July and September, and those were the months where his walks per nine were over four, Greg. So that's the biggest bugaboo when it comes to Flaherty. And, yep. you know, his first pitch strike percentage is 57%. It's something he needs to get better at. Now, if he brings this up to, like, the over 60% range where he's kind of getting ahead in counts and he's able to finish people off with the, with this fastball-slider combination, he could, like, he can... It, you want to talk about a guy who can make the next step? It's Jack Flaherty. He has big upside, but in this range, he also has more downside because if if the lack, if the command comes back a little bit, and like he starts walking guys, then that's where you can see the whip start to balloon a little bit, and then guys are getting on base, and then maybe he gives up a home run with you know two or three guys on base rather than like it being a solo home run because he's walking guys. Then those are kind of like the subtle differences where we're talking about the difference between him being like a low three ERA and him being a high three ERA with like a bad whip. So I think he has higher upside than some people in this range, but he also has lower downside. So I kind I think this is a good range for him to be, but he definitely definitely has the the skills to be one of, like, the top 20, maybe even, like, top 15 starting pitchers in baseball. That reminds me of James Paxton from last year and the Aaron Nola from a, a year or two ago as well, where you're in this range. My issue with taking him is that you're not... You're, you are paying for that upside, right? Like, you're... This spot where he's going... Yeah, the ADP's he's a, high. He's a fourth-round player. high-end SP2 at this spot. If I'm being honest, Greg, I don't really love any of the, the guys in this range. Like, as much as I loved Tyone last year, yeah. and I loved Corbin, like, maybe that's just part of it is because I owned them at their discount last year, and now I kind of feel like all the value has been sucked out of them, and sure. you have to pay a fourth-round price tag. Definitely. That's why I don't really want to do it. Does that include Clev as well? Because everyone loves Clev. Yeah, it's similar, right? Like, he was going outside, I think, the top 40 starting pitchers last year. He started to creep up a little bit in spring training, but... I'm a little more apt to take Clevenger, and I'll tell you why, Greg. It's sure. because of the fr- the the... the where he plays with the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. This is what they do. They develop starting pitching. They're so good at it. And I think that's why a lot of people are in on Shane Bieber as well is because look at some of the starting pitchers that have come like have come into this organization. Corey Kluber was a late bloomer, but has been amazing. Carlos Carrasco picked up from the Phillies. He's come here. It took him a couple of years, but he's been amazing over the past couple of seasons. Trevor Bauer was traded for with the Arizona Diamondbacks. It took him a couple of years. He has turned into one of the best 10 pitchers in baseball last year. This is what they do, and it's not really a terribly tough division either. In fact, it's a tough, it's a, a division that you want to target in terms of opponents that they're going to be facing. The White Sox, yeah, they're going to get Eloy Jimenez. Still not a great lineup, right? Like, we're really worried about John Jay leading off with the Chicago White Sox this year. I like the Twins lineup a lot. Admittedly, I do like that lineup, but the Royals, like, are we worried? <laughs> like, no, we're not worried about the Royals either, so... Clevenger, to me, I have him ranked just behind James Paxton. I have him ahead of Jamison Tyone. I think I think we saw a lot last year. Uh, he's kind of similar to Jack Flaherty in terms of the walks. He's got to control the walks. He's got to have solid command here with Clevenger. But he was one of 13 starting pitchers last year to actually go 200 innings. So he already has that in his back pocket. We've seen him do it once. It doesn't, you know, I'm not worried about him going 200 innings again because he's already done it, Greg. So... He's probably the safest to get to that plateau out of everyone that we're talking about in this crew. Uh, maybe Patrick Corbin as well. But, you know, he lowered the walks last year. 93 to 95 mile per hour fastball. Uh, the slider and curve both ranked inside the top 10 in fan graphs in terms of pitch values last year. That's a big difference, Greg. 
is that he has a second and third go-to pitch outside of his fastball, which is already pretty good. It's 93 to 95 miles per hour. That's the biggest difference between him and some of these other guys here is that he has that second and third pitch, both being breaking pitches that are very, very good pitchers, pitches with the slider and the curveball. So to me, that just puts him a little bit ahead of the competition. The fact that you know that he's going to go 200 innings, he's going to give you a strikeout per inning. So the 200 strikeouts are going to be there. 12% swinging strike rate was top 20 among starting pitchers last year, right in line with Corey Kluber. I think he's a guy who's going to go 3-5, three, 3-6 three, three, ERA as well with some of these other names that we've mentioned. This is kind of like the projection we're expecting. Mm-hmm. But I like him a little bit more than Tyone because I know that he, like, at least the fact that I've seen him go 200 innings pitch sure. matters for me. And I get it. And, 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 and I get and just that. P- pitching for the Cleveland Indians. Like, that, you know, they're known for developing these guys. They know how to do it. They've already done it with Clevenger. Well, isn't that one of the reasons that you kind of really like Zach Wheeler, right? Like, that pitching coach is now in yeah, New York. Callaway. Callaway's now with, uh, with the New York Mets. And that's why I brought up Stephen Matz to you last night. And I kind of looked into it. It was like, mm, Yeah, the underlying numbers mm, for Matz. Not as good as I thought they were. Like, he's going to have to take a, like a step to do something we haven't really seen him do before. Plus, he has to stay healthy with Stephen Matz. Not as good as I thought they were going to be when I, before I looked into it. Gotta get your ranking of these guys, Greg. This whole kind of like fourth yeah. round group. We'll do that. I have it. I have a Clevenger, Clevenger, Tyone, Flaherty, Corbin. That's that's the four that I. Which, and Paxton's ahead of all of them. Yes. We'll do that when we come back. Fantasy best friends forever. Fantasy sports radio network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. In this league. There are already 3% of baseball players that are android, humanoid hybrids in baseball. You don't think baseball wants to have uh, robot uh, umps? They're going to have them because they're already playing baseball. Sorry. That's the last time I'm going to do that on the show. They are apparently going to have... p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network.
Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. This is very like 80s, 90s like opening theme song. That's exactly what this is. The results of the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine are in for serious fantasy football players. It's never er- too early. What? DK Metcalf? It's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. I thought I said something wrong. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting best ball and NFL draft content each and every day to give you the edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% right now when you go to rotoexperts.com and you use the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, only available right now at rotoexperts.com. And that's our uh, friends at Daily Roto. Putting that all together for us. But if you're looking for baseball content, you can't go to rotoexperts.com. You can go to Frank's Patreon page, which is available and up right now. Hand it over to Frank's Patreon page. It's uh, right up on his Twitter right now. And you'll get for free infield rankings of every player. But if you want the outfield, you want the starting pitchers, you want more, you got to subscribe. Frank's got a couple of uh, big-time subscribers now that are giving him $25 a month, which is awesome. Uh, the more the merrier, that would be very, very helpful to Frank. But if you want to spend a little bit lower than that, that's okay, too. They have other tiers, $10 a month, $5 a month, even a dollar a month for the bare minimum. Don't do that. It's a waste of money. So I would subscribe to the 5 10 or $25 tier, depending on what you're interested in. It's Frank Stample's Patreon for baseball coverage. The number three most accurate ranker in all of fantasy baseball Twitter Last year, that's that guy right there. More accurate than the all-in kid himself. I'm not getting involved. Is it accurate? Is that, a, is that an accurate portrayal? That, w- that would be a factual statement, Craig. I just deal in facts, man. You are my Paul Heyman. You are my... There you go. You're pumping me up. I, I appreciate it. Number three ranker last year, unfortunately, just behind Adam Ronis. I mean, there must have been something that went wrong there. I mean, Adam Ronis number two? I mean, there's just no... He's very good. Uh, nah. Top five, though. Come join me on Patreon. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually writing about uh, these hyped-up outfielders, Greggy, who are creeping up draft boards. Not really creeping. They're, like, flying. So I've already wrote about Austin Meadows and Byron Buxton. I'm also going to write about Jackie Bradley, Jesse Winker, and Domingo Santana. These guys are all climbing up draft boards because of what they're doing in the spring. But there's a little bit more than that, too. Like, with Byron Buxton, he actually made... Um, he went back to the like drawing board this offseason and changed out his workout regimen. He changed his batting stance. He eliminated a leg kick. And you're, you're, you're starting to see some of that payoff here in spring training early on. So uh, you check it out on my Patreon. Uh, I'll let you know whether or not I am by running the Buxton. Think about that, Greg. Let's not do that again. <laughs> I'll leave the promos to you. Leave the promos to me. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm doing a good job. We're, we're doing all right. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe it's point you'll buy me beers. Mm. Come on, Greg. Okay. Yeah. A deal's a deal. I'm going to buy you beer. No, nah, I mean you already bought us beers. Yeah, I buy lunch. Now you do lunch. I do lunch. Should we do lunch? Shake Shack. Should we do Shake Shack? Should we do that this week? Sure. Just let me know what day not to bring lunch. Well, uh, we want to do a day Kinga wasn't around because you're not making lunch. Is he here all week? Oh, this week? right, right. She Friday. Friday's the day. Let's do it Friday. Yeah. Cool. We'll do it Friday. Friday lunch it is. Um. All right, so you asked me before the break how I rank this tier of guys. We're going to get into the ones we haven't spoken about yet. But as you can tell, number one for me is Patrick Corbin in this tier. Like, I'm not, you have a gut feeling, that's cool. But everything I look at, like, he's really good. There's no sign that, like, I had a Paxton, too. Head of James Paxton for me. Yeah. All right, so you could draft him in your home league. 
I, oh, I, I will keep him my own thing. Oh, right, right, right. I'm actually not keeping him. You don't like him. For no reason. Just I'm a keep, gut feeling. I'm, I'm, keep, I'm this keeping is Davidson Tyone for $2 cheaper. This is literally just a gut feeling, which is so interesting to me. Uh, but I like it. I like it. Believe me. All right, Patrick Corbin is number one for me. Then I got James Paxson, number two. Then I have Steven Strasburg, number three, in this tier, before Jamison Tyon, uh, who goes number four. I got Clevenger, five. I got Jack Flaherty, six. And then I got Zach Greinke, seven. Did you say Tyon? I did. I have him right after Paxton. Okay. And before Clev. Ah, so me waxing poetic on Clevenger didn't... I like Clev, man. I, I, I think his tier's very tight. I can see you taking Clev over Tyone. Um, split hairs. You don't have Zach Wheeler in this tier, Greg. I don't have Zach Wheeler. Not a lot of people do. I don't have Zach Wheeler in this I'm tier. I'm very aggressive on it. I'm sorry. I don't have Wheeler in this tier. But Zach Greinke is at the end of the tier, and you were saying to me before we um, hit break, and then during the break, that... We talk about ageism and being a year early rather than a year late. And I was sold, admittedly, last week at Justin Verlander. I was all out on this guy until we kind of dove into the stats, and I realized there's zero signs of slowing down for this human being. Frank was telling me during the break, that's not exactly true when it comes to Zach Greinke. What are the signs that we're seeing when it comes to Greinke? Yeah, so with Greinke last year, you saw the fastball velocity dip all the way down to 89.6 miles per hour on average, which was a career low for him. 41% hard hit rate was fourth highest among qualified starting pitchers last year as well. And then in the second half, you see the strikeout rate come down by 3% and the FIP go up to 4.00, Greg. So to me, that's enough to like lower him in his tier. I don't think he's a fourth-round pitcher. You don't really have to pay that price tag either. You can get him in the fifth round. Again, this is a roster construction thing where if you take guys who are a little bit more injury-prone, but you want innings, like, Greinke, I think, is a safe guy for innings. Like, that's what he's going to give you. Over 200 innings pitched in four of the last five seasons, so I think he's pretty safe for at least 200 innings, but I do worry about the skills kind of declining a little bit. Back-to-back seasons of a 3.20 ERA, as Frank said, uh, he got worse. Tough division, too, like, got to face the Dodgers, got to face the Rockies, mm-hmm. which he's always had to do, but, yep. you know, with a declining fastball, I just worry about that a little bit more. Yeah, tough. Uh, the see- wind's going to be there, like, the run support with the Diamondbacks, and they lose Goldschmidt. I don't I don't know how great the lineup's going to be now. It's interesting. Uh, as the season wore on, he did get worse, as Frank mentioned. What's striking to me was that the, the K numbers really came down, although back in 2015, his best year of his career, he had a strikeout rate uh, barely eight. Strikeout per nine, rather barely eight, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, walks went back up, but he used to walk a lot more guys than he does now. So I don't like. I, I'm not totally out. I would say on Zach Greinke. Um Not I, an active target. I just think that he has the least amount of upside of the guys we've talked about. And I have Zach Wheeler ranked ahead of him. So. I don't agree with that. Um, I, I just think he has the least amount of upside. It doesn't mean I don't like him. Again, a lot of people don't even realize that Zach Wheeler pitched 180 innings last. Year. He did. What about the year, a couple years before that? Yeah, in 2014, he also threw 180, <laughs> but he, like, you, uh, you he skipped didn't a couple pitch years. in 2015 and 2016. I realized that, but went 180. Went 180 Is that a concern to you that he went so many innings last year after not pitching each of the last two seasons for the most part? Well, Greg, he actually got better as the season went on. So, again, what I mentioned, how about this, Greg? You know, his final 11 starts, as great as he was, right? He had like a sub-2 ERA. We were Spoke about the numbers a little bit earlier on in the show. He had like a 0.81 sure. whip. And, you know, his uh, his XFIP was right around like 3 point. It was like 3.47. So it was sub 3.5. You know, if you keep your expectations realistic, I think that he can be a sub 3.5 ERA guy with a near strikeout per inning. And if he, you know, if he continues his progress that he made last year in terms of not walking people, because walks used to be a big issue for him. It's not like he didn't walk anyone last year, but he was much better in terms of the command department. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't... Uh, 
you know, he wasn't walking as many guys. So that, again, what Modica said about him is true. If he can continue and build off the gains that he made last year, then yes, he can drop, jump into the top 20, and that's what I'm expecting him to do. Greg, in nine of those 11 final starts that he made, he went at least seven innings pitched nine times. I know. I mean, I know. seven innings, nine different times over his final 11 starts. That's amazing. It's one of, the, it's one of those. depth into games? So they trusted him last year. They pushed him, and he responded well. So I'm trusting him. He's, he's inside my top 20. Listen, it's one of those. I owned Zach Wheeler last year, so I know how I recognize yeah, I how good he was. I picked him up in the great fantasy baseball invitational. I won first in my league. I finished fourth in the overall. Yeah. I, I was right there with you. Yeah, I mean, the people that owned Zach Wheeler last year recognize how good he was. Can he continue? Can he build on that? I think what's good is his ADP isn't around these guys right now, which is obviously a great thing because he's still, um, you can still get him at a decent value, not a fantastic value, but a decent enough value, I think, um, for Zach Wheeler. But will it, uh, will it continue into his, his a contract year for him, right? Yes, it is. So will it continue into this contract year? Is it possible the Mets fall out and he gets traded? That's something you're interested in. Maybe he becomes Patrick Corbin level of good. Maybe he becomes Patrick Corbin level of good. Was it a contract year last year? Uh, Mike Florio has a lot to say about Zach Wheeler as well. Head over to Mike Florio's Patreon page uh, to learn more about Zach Wheeler. Um, We're like one of those strip adapters where we're just plugging in everything. You gotta do it. Plug, plug, plug. For those that are wondering, we have gotten some questions about this. This is the spot where Clayton Kershaw is now going pretty pretty normally, I would say. Uh, his ADP is about 62. He has begun throwing pretty lightly again. Oh, I don't expect him to be ready for the beginning of the regular season, but probably far, a little bit after that. Are you, at this price, at about 62 ADP, are you in on Clayton Kershaw? No. Yeah, I actually had the opportunity to draft him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. He went pick 81. I passed him up in the fifth round and the fourth round as well. You just have to ask yourself this question, Greg. Why? Why do you want to be in on this at, at this price? Because of Clayton Kershaw. Price. That's the theory. That's yeah, the theory. But the skills were already declining, right? So I think this is, uh, we said this a lot during the football season, strip the name off the back of the jersey here for Clayton Kershaw. And, you know, the fastball velocity was dipping last year. He's been hurt the past couple of years with these chronic back injuries. The skills were starting to decline last season as well. And on top of that, he's hurt before the season already starts. You ask yourself the question, why? I don't think there's any reason to do it. Okay. I agree with you. I agree with you the, that ultimately I'm not, I don't want to mess with this. It only cause me more pain than reward, I would say. At what point do you draft him, though? That's what it comes down to. To me... Are you taking, are you taking Clayton Kershaw before you take Mike fulton I mean, he's hurt, too. I, well, he should be back by now. He's, like, throwing today, I think. Yeah... Oh, man. I don't want either one of them. All right. I'll give you another one. Yeah. Are you taking Clinton Kershaw before you take Luis Castillo? No. No. I'm taking Castillo. Are you taking him before you take Charlie Morton? Like, that's the range where I think... Around pick 120. I would take... I would start to, like, Kershaw. think about it. Yeah. Which is like... Clayton Kershaw or David Price? I would take Price. Okay. So you're looking at that past pick 100 for him. Yeah. I think I'm going to have him... That's where he's going to settle in. Because I have Price as my 30th starting pitcher. I have Morton 31. So I think it's right around that range. I bring up Clayton Kershaw. I got to bring up Madison Bumgarner in this spot also. Because they've been around long-time NL West foes. Long-time really good players. Madison Bumgarner has broken down now the last couple of years. And a year ago, at this time, I threw everything out from 2016. Freak injury. 
threw it out. This is not. This year doesn't count. Let's I ignore sat it. Right here last year, and I told you not to do it, Greggy. Told you not to draft him. That's correct. So we were starting to see the beginning of the end. Correct. And while I didn't get him anywhere, uh, your logic was more correct than my logic is. And I didn't listen to my own logic. And I drafted him. You did draft him? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, that was before he got hurt. Sure. Drafted him in like, at like the 2-3 swing, and then he got hurt. It's awful. Bumgarner finished last year 6-7 and seven with an ERA of 3.26. is actually very good. His FIP and XFIP, obviously much higher than that. Strikeout rate, terrible. Uh, walk more guys than ever, terrible. A lot not to like the Madison Bumgarner, despite the ERA FIP and despite the ERA rather. Yeah, and look, it's uh, it's the decline in his fastball. You see it like the past three seasons, right? Great, great. isolated power. Isolated power is slugging percentage minus batting average, right? So I'm looking at the isolated power on hit on his pitches. His fastball over the past three seasons has been a 203 isolated power in 2016, up to 226 in 2017. All the way up to 272 last year. So when people are getting his fastball, they are crushing it. And his spring has been a mixed bag to this point. He pitched one inning in his first start and he gave up like five or six runs. And then last week he pitched over the weekend, he pitched three innings. He only gave up one run. He gave up a leadoff homer to Jesse Winker, who's one of these hyped up outfielders right now. But that's lefty on lefty right there. So I think there's concern. I think there's a legitimate concern for Madison Bumgarner. I, you know, as good as he's been, he's been a workhorse. He goes 200 innings. You know who also went 200 innings pitch and then just kind of like fell off a cliff one year? That was Felix Hernandez. Yeah. I don't know if it's fair to say that. Like, it might be unfair to like make that direct comparison, but there's a lot of innings on that arm now. I don't know how much of his fastball declining has been due to all these like freak accidents that he's been in like over the past couple of years. Last year, it was like the fractured hand mm-hmm. in spring training, you know, trying to feel the line drive. Uh, and then it was the dirt bike accident. Mm-hmm. How much of that has influenced his per- performance? I mean, maybe there are, you know, chronic lasting effects from those accidents that, you know, are affecting him and are going to continue to affect him. So, to me, that there, there are just too many question marks, and I get it. Once you get into, like, this range of pitchers, there's going to be a lot of question marks with a lot of these guys, but I'd rather take one of these, like, younger starting pitchers who has upside at this point. I, I worry a lot about Madison Bumgarner. I agree. I think I'm going to have him ranked as outside my top 40, which is crazy to say, Greg. So I, I don't know where I'm going to have him ranked, but I agree with you that, much like Clayton Kershaw, the upside just isn't what it is for some of the other younger guys. Like, yes, you want a reliable veteran, but, like, I think Felix Hernandez is a really good example because he's a young guy who had a lot of innings on that shoulder for a very young age. And you look at the age, you're like, oh, he's, he'll bounce back. He's got a lot left. And I did it last year. And again, the ERA was fine. The indicators, not nearly as fine. Mm. I'm going to let someone else do Madison Bumgarner. Like, wouldn't you rather take a shot on, like, Eduardo Rodriguez, Greg? Like, take a shot on one of these upside starting pitchers, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nick Pavetta, uh, Nathan Avaldi, who I think has upside. Wouldn't you rather take a shot on one of those guys rather than, like, Bumgarner? I would. That's where I'm at. I would. That's what, that's what I'm saying in the same spot as you. Let's continue on, shall we? There you we're, go. We're, we're making good progress here. We get to... I guess we have to talk about Herman Marquez now, huh? That's up next. Can we call Mo- Matt Modica back? You can. You can try. <laughs> see if he see answers. I'm just kidding, guys. Don't do that downstairs. Uh, yeah. Marquez is... He's interesting, man, because uh, in, the sec- in the second half last year, he was otherworldly. First half, not so good. I-, I believe he pitched like a five ERA, but his ERA indicators were much better than that. 
2.61 ERA in the second half. That was 13th best in baseball. A 1.00 whip among starting pitchers was ninth best. 33.9% strikeout rate. Fourth best in baseball. His K minus walk percentage, 28.4%. That was fourth in best uh, in baseball. 2.30 XFIP, Greg. So you're wondering, oh, the 2.61 ERA, uh, you know, how good was that actually? Well, his 2.30 XFIP pitching in Colorado half the time was third best in all of baseball. Yep. 16% swing strike rate. I mean, he was ridiculous. He was absolutely ridiculous. 68% first pitch strike percentage. He was getting ahead of counts. Near 35% chase rate. People are chasing his pitches. And this is what we talk about. He made a tangible difference in his arsenal. He lowered the fastball usage by 7% in the second half, and he upped that slider percentage by 7%. The the whiff percent for his slider and his curveball are both over 20%. Yep. Those are nasty, nasty pitches here with Herman Marquez. The ERA at home, Greg, 4.74. Here's where we're at with Herman Marquez. It, It feels like it's John Gray all over again. Sure. We're getting a monstrous second half here where the strikeouts are great. He's getting you swinging strikes. He's limiting the walks. Everything, the ERA indicators are right in line with him, but he sucks in Coors Field. Coors Field is undefeated, Greg. I think Herman Marquez is going to be on everyone else's team this year except mine. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Messing with Coors is a disaster. It always ends up poorly for you. Take a break after this. College basketball has reached the climax of the 2019 season, and the Fantasy Sports Network has you covered for all the news and betting information for the conference tournaments leading up to the big dance. Get the latest wagering and prop bet advice every day from FNTSY's top experts and analysts as they prepare you with the best advice in bracketology. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in iTunes and Google Play and watch select programming in the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your home for winning big in the month of madness. Roto experts. You get fish yeah. at the fish store. I mean, it's, that, that's it's, fantastic. It's life advice. You know, the, you know this. I'd always been searching sports, for fish at like it was sporting the store. So that's what I've been doing wrong. They, they look at you kind of funny, right? When you go up to the counter. And say, look, you know, that's salmon, uh, buddy. Uh, what do you mean? You got baseball gloves here? No, salmon. Wife no, wants salmon. salmon. Yeah. Well, I got this fishing rod. Right, right. And you're getting the, the tool to get the fish. How about the fish? Sundays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long drive tour champion 2017 world number one me personally i keep my game face on me all the time especially coming out of the bunker leaving the range or even leaving the course what's your story go to gamefacegrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs the morning after Z Harvard has actually done a study, the Kardashian effect. I don't think you need to go to Harvard to know that dating a Kardashian is a bad thing if you're an athlete. <laughs> but let's be real. Like, who is it really like worked out well for? Reggie Bush. Them, like nearly ended up dead. Bruce Jenner lost his penis. Yeah. Uh, like he's not even a man anymore. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Not only are we going around the NLB, we're going around the world, Frank. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. 
It's a good song. As soon as it hit, you can ask Greg. I'm just here. Like, oh, great song. We both know it's a great song. Vona crushing. We both know it's a great song. Medanimal. We've got you covered on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're live programming from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. 11 a.m. 11 p.m. Eastern. Each and every weekday. Coming up next from 2 to 4. It's Scout Fantasy with Adam Rona's Dr. Rona, who is expected to be here, by the way, this week, uh, next weekend. To cover the NFBC. It's next week, right? Not this weekend? That is next weekend, Greg. From 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, it's GTD. Gabe Morantz and Cam Stewart have you covered. Game Time Decision, 7 p.m. NBA Takeaways with Welsh and Bogman, 7.30. The Fantasy News Desk with Dan Strafford. You'll get them uh, coming up a little bit later on tonight. From 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, it's Calling the Shots with Keith Irizarry. And tomorrow morning, bright and early, wake up with the guys on Make It Rain. Joe Ranieri, Dane Martinez will have you covered from 6 to 9 a.m. They're right before us. As you know, 9 to 12, Joe sticks around and teams up. With the lunatic fringe, Gabe Morenci on. You like that? No? Morning after. That's from nine to twelve. Uh, they've actually hung out with Dean Ambrose before. They've told me some stories. Um, and then tomorrow, of course, at noon, Frank and I will be back. Fantasy BFFs. We go from t- from twelve to two each and every day, Monday through Friday. Okay, Frank, we got through a lot of pictures today. I think like we're making a lot of progress. We did. I think we're gonna we're gonna tap out right around our top thirty here. Uh, we'll see how many. I of disagree. These guys oh, top thirty starting pitchers. Yeah, sorry. top thirty starting mm-hmm. pitchers here. Um, so I, I think uh, we can kind of run through some of these guys here. Uh, the rest of this tier. So I have this tier. Tier four for me is it starts at uh, SP twenty two. That's Jose Barrios, Luis Castillo, Herman Marquez, Shane Bieber, Miles Michaelis, Chris Archer, Tanaka, Robbie Ray, David Price. All right, let's get into him. Let's do it. Yep. Um, let's get into David Price first. How about that? David Price had a good year when he wasn't facing the Yankees. When he was facing the Yankees, it went incredibly poorly. And it's always a narrative when we laugh and we joke about it as Yankee fans, but this dude is terrible against the Yankees. Always terrible. Forever and ever and ever. Pretty good against everybody else. You buy him back in on David Price this year? I don't hate him. I actually have him ranked five spots lower than the consensus. Uh, like, I think he's fine. I think you have to realize there's still risk involved with this elbow thing. Like, when, when did it come out? Last year? Or last, two spring, years ago? last spring, I think. Right? Last spring, right? Yeah, yeah, Where, yeah. like, he has, like, a partially torn UCL or, you know, something in the elbow, right? But you can pitch through it. Like, Tanaka has done it for the past three seasons, it feels like. So, David Price, you still have to realize there is some risk, but um, he... He bounced back last year, Greg. I mean, he still went 176 innings pitch. He gave you over a strikeout per inning. The whip, 1.14, you know, 1.14 whip over 176 innings. That is, um, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's that's pretty good here. So, a nice little bounce back performance here with David Price. Doing it with less velocity, too, than ever before. 92.7 miles per hour. Uh, The swinging strike rate did come down a little bit. Um... 9.6%, 9.6%, actually, that's a little bit concerning. So, you know, I do have him some of these below some of these other guys here. Um, the 9.6% swinging strike rate. You know why I find that interesting, Greg? Why, Frank? So, his swinging strike rate is below league average at 9.6%, and his, but his K per nine was 9.05, right? So, he's averaging a strikeout per yep. inning. Miles Michaelis was also swinging strike rate of 9.6%. Now, these aren't direct correlation things, but... It shouldn't be this big of a disparity. So, Miles Michaelis's K per nine last year, Greg, mm-hmm. if you had to guess what it was, what would you say? First year back in the majors. With the Seven and a half. It was six and a half. Mm-hmm. 6.55 K per nine. David Price, over nine Ks per nine. Yeah. Had the same swinging strike rate. And 
Miles Michaelis' chase rate was 6% higher. Hmm. Kind of weird, weird, right? Super weird. David Price is... I don't think I'm going to own shares of David Price just because I like players who are going around this range more, right? So over the past week in NFBC ADP, he's going pick 99. Like straight up, I'd rather have Miles Michaelis more. And he's going right around the same range. Zach Wheeler is only going nine spots higher. You know how I feel about Zach Wheeler. Much rather have him than David Price. And then even Luis Castillo is going is going uh, about 14 picks later. I'd rather have Castillo than David Price. Uh, I'd rather have Chris Archer, who's going 37 picks later. I'd rather have Tanaka, who's going also 37 picks later. I just don't think I'm going to own David Price because of the pitchers who are going around him in this range, Greg. Yeah, I, I think there's, again, much like Kershaw and Bumgarner, there is a lot of higher upside guys than David Price. I think the upside is seemingly gone. You talked a lot about Miles Mikolas. Like, is he somebody that can improve that strikeout rate? Like, I think he will, man. Yeah. And he has really good command, right? 1.30 walks per hour. He's excellent. Great. Look, the ERA indicators were much higher. He's not going to pitch to a sub-3 ERA. You give up as much contact as you do with a guy like Miles Michaelis, you know, a 2.83 ERA, I mean, that's fool's gold. But can he give you a, you know, 3.5, 3.6 ERA with a good whip because he doesn't walk anybody and the strikeouts come up a little bit, maybe the, the K per nine closer to like seven and a half, maybe even closer to eight. I mean, he gets people to chase a lot. And he, Miles Michaelis has a really interesting arsenal of pitches. He throws a four-seamer 26% of the time, a sinker 22% of the time, a slider 26%, and a curveball 21%. So he has four different pitches that he throws at least 21% of the time. That's a diverse pitching arsenal. I'm in. I, like, I kind of like Miles Michaelis. If you draft him, you do have to realize this. You have to pair him with someone who maybe is going to be a high whip pitcher, but is going to give you a lot of strikeouts. And what I told Greg when I was you know, thinking about drafting a guy like Michaelis is, pair him with Robbie Ray. That's so funny. It makes a lot of sense. Like, pair him, I, I, actually, pair it's not him funny. with Eduardo Rodriguez. So it's not funny Someone because like I, was gonna, I was literally about to bring that up, but I was like, wait a minute, this is because you and I had this conversation. Yeah, this is why that's I exactly right. So you just, you just have to temper expectations in terms of the strikeouts. If you get like 200 innings pitched from Miles Michaelis again this year, last season he gave you 146 strikeouts. I think it's going to come up from that. I would expect, let's say... 160 to 170 strikeouts this year from Miles Michaelis if he goes 200 innings pitched. You have to get someone who's going to help you out a little bit more in strikeouts, right? So, so Rob pair him with Chris Archer, even in that range. So Robbie Ray, which is what I want to get to next, is he's in this tier for you. And I'm very interested to hear why. So Ray's K for nine, you know it's ridiculous, right? It's over 12, which is crazy. The ERA, slightly under four. ERA indicators, actually, you know, if you're an ex-FIP guy like Modica, it's even better, actually, at 3.77, while the FIPS is at 4.31. Here's the very damaging part of Robbie Ray. Everything. Specifically, the walk rate. Over five. Over five is the walk per nine. I don't know that there's anybody worse in all of Major League Baseball than Robbie Ray. I can look that up for you. I can look at it also, but never. I mean, I have it up right here. All right. Is there anybody worse? So among pitchers, uh, starting pitchers with 120 innings pitched last year, he was yeah. at 129. Uh-huh. His 5.09 walk per nine was the worst <laughs> in baseball. Uh-huh. Worse than Francisco Liriano, yes. Lucas Giolito, oh, and Sean Newcomb. Okay, so again, the worst in baseball. But he's not actually that bad. 
Like, he was pitching through injury last year. And it's never, it's always been bad, well, right? A year it's prior. Never, it's never been that bad. A year prior, 2017, 3.94 was the walk rate. This is a guy that always walks in his career. The walk rate's about four. He walks about four guys per nine innings. Considering he doesn't pitch nine innings in every start, he walks a lot of guys in every start. Now, he combats that, of course, with the strikeout. But you look at that um, left on base percentage, 80.5%. There's always guys on base for Robbie Ray. It's can he get them out. In 2017, the left on base percentage was obviously higher, which is when he was better, at 84.5%. Not a surprise there. What do you want Robbie Ray as? SP3 or later. Okay. I mean, ideally, if you could start off your, you're going to be end up using a lot of draft capital if you want to pull this off, though. Like, if you want him as your SP four, just thinking about this. Say you draft two starting pitchers in the first four rounds, you get Miles Michaelis in like the eighth round, and then you get Robbie Ray in the ninth. That could work out. But then again, you're using you're using four of your top nine draft picks on starting pitchers, then, and then you don't even have a closer yet. So, these are all things that you have to weigh. Uh, but, I, you know, I think another pitcher that you can pair um, him with is Tanaka because Tanaka is a good whip pitcher. So, I mean, you worry a little bit about the, uh, the whip could blow up a little bit with Robbie Ray here. He doesn't give up a lot of hits. Again, it's just the walks that are a huge issue. If you look over the past two seasons, his batting average against has been 197 in 2017 when he was amazing, and then last year it was 215. Robbie Ray doesn't give up a lot of hits. He's got nasty stuff. There's no denying that. Like, he's going to get a lot of swings and misses. He just has no idea where it's going. But he, yeah, he doesn't know where the ball is going half the time. So Interesting. His ERA at home in Arizona, 4.73 away from Arizona and Chase Field, 3.05. So maybe the humidor helps him out a little bit this year. Why didn't it last year? He was pitching through injury. Like, it was kind of a mess of a season last year for Robbie Ray. It, de- it definitely was, and he's never gone more than 174 in a third innings pitch. But we know what his upside could be, Greg. You know, his upside, if he, if he pitches 100 and... He pitched 162 innings in 2017 and, and gave owners 218 strikeouts. Actually, in 2016 and 2017, he gave 218 strikeouts in back-to-back seasons. You'll be hard-pressed to find a guy at this range of the draft in the 9th-10th round of drafts who's going to give you close to 220 strikeouts, Greg. They just don't come around all that often. So I understand why people you know, want Robbie Ray, but you just have to know that there's volatility here in terms of the whip and the ERA. So you're going to have to pair him with someone else who's going to bring down those categories you know, if you get him as your SP4, that's awesome. I think realistically, you get him as like your SP3. I think pairing him with a guy like Miles Michaelis actually makes a lot of sense. I think so too, probably. Like, I'm trying to look at Robbie Ray. He wasn't dissimilar. Like the ERA says he was better in the second half, like way better, 3.23 compared to 5.03. I think he could be like a 3.7 ERA pitcher with like a 1.25 whip, but he's also going to give you like over 12 Ks per nut. Definitely. Really good. Does that make him better for Roto or points or neither? Definitely better for Roto. Okay. The strikeouts matter so much. In my points league, you only get half a point per pitcher strikeout. So, I mean, I'm more likely to take a guy like Miles Michaelis in a points league just because they're going to give me the innings. And you, quality innings at that. You brought up Chris Archer before. Chris Archer is obviously a lightning rod of a name. There's some experts that absolutely love him. There's so some experts that absolutely hate him. And as Frank said, so interesting. Do you like Chris Archer this year? I'm more apt to get in on Chris Archer this year than ever before. Wow, how come? Because Pittsburgh? No, not just that. It's, I'm sorry, uh, well, if Sandro, one of our editors, <laughs> he's not here today. But if you're home listening, Sandro, don't hate me because he does not, he does not buy into I am the, so excited for the Sandro text. He does not, he is, does not buy into like the Ray Searage effect. Um, although, I think you could argue against it. But 
Chris Archer, the past couple of years, you've had to use a fourth, fifth round price tag on him. Now you're getting him in like the ninth, tenth round range, Greg. Yeah. And I know he's pitched to over a four ERA three years in a row. It's been frustrating. But look at those underlying numbers. Like every year, like, is this just who he is? Like he's a four ERA pitcher who's never going to pitch to his peripherals? Because the guy has a career 3.45 XFIP. But he has a career 3.7 ERA. So it's like, it's kind of like the John Gray thing too, right? Like everyone wants to buy into the upside. To me, I think Chris Archer has upside. And, you know, last year the strikeouts came down. They were down to 9.8 Ks per nine. But in years past, 11 Ks per nine, 10 Ks per nine with Chris Archer, like you know the strikeouts are going to be there. Uh, He was a little bit dinged up last year, only pitched 140 innings. But in the three years before that, 200 innings pitched. I've never had shares of Chris Archer before because I never liked that you had to pay a fourth, fifth round price tag for a guy that was giving you an ERA over four and a whip that was, you know, 1.25. But now you're getting the the same upside that he's had in the past in Pittsburgh where maybe they could figure him out. Like, he's he's out of the AL East. The NL Central is still not a great division because he has to face the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Reds. But he doesn't have to pitch in the AL East anymore, and you're getting him in the ninth, 10th round. I got him in the 10th round, right? As my, you know, SP3. Yeah. In a great fantasy baseball invitational. I like taking a stab at the upside there. I'm a little bit more likely to take him uh, at that point. He's always been a guy like he's, he has to work on a change. Hopefully the, the, the Pirates put some emphasis on that because the fastball, we've known it's always been electric, Greg. You know, he lives in the, the mid 90s with the fastball uh, and he has a great slider. But he's really just fastball slider. And that's what's got him into trouble over the past couple of years. And this is what I say is that starting pitchers need a third pitch. That's what Chris Archer needs. So hopefully he works on that and figures it out. Like the swinging strike rate was still in line with his career last year, 13% swinging strike rate. That's why we like Luis Castillo giving you a 13% swinging strike rate. He got people to chase more than ever last year too, 33%. So I actually think the strikeout rate should have been closer to what his career remarks are. I think he got a little bit unlucky in terms of the strikeouts last season. I'm in on Chris Archer, man. I like Chris Archer too. Man, I find myself going back and forth because I like Tanaka too, and they're always in the same range. Who do you like between Archer and Tanaka? Like the wins are probably going to be there for Tanaka, Tanaka, but the durability, like I'd expect Chris Archer to go closer to 200 innings pitch than I would Tanaka. I think Tanaka's probably more like 160, 170 innings. They're actually very they're, they're similar. Very, similar. They are. very, very similar guys. That's what you need too, because like Tanaka's a great whip pitcher. Archer, probably closer to like 1.25 whip. I think the strikeout upside is better for Archer. It's like, what do you want? What do you want out of these guys? Because if you want whip, then I think you take Tanaka. And whip, which I've learned, is very hard to find later on in drafts. So you could get like a sub, you know, 1.15 whip out of Tanaka in the ninth, 10th round. That's very valuable. Chris Archer, what he has is, we have the peripherals. We're kind of being sold on the promise again here. But again, you're getting him at a discount compared to years past. You know, the the hope of getting like a three- seven or better ERA of Chris Archer with a 1.25 whip and 10 or 11 Ks per nine. That would be pretty good. If he goes 200 innings pitch and gives you like 230 strikeouts with yeah. a 3.7 ERA and a 1.25 whip, yep. that would be a very, very profitable pitcher that you're getting in the ninth or 10th round. These guys are very similar to me, man. Yep. I like them both. Try and get both. Maybe uh, try and get both on your team. They're like very solid, you know? They're not like... But again, I, I like Archer because you don't have to pay the, pay the price tag now all of a sudden. You're getting, you know, four or five rounds value compared to years past. Has he really changed sure. that much as a starting pitcher? I don't think so. I don't think so either. 
Would you rather have these guys or Robbie Ray? I have uh, both of these guys ranked higher than Robbie. You do, yeah. I just think they're a little bit safer. Safer. Yeah, I think and so, And I think too. Archer has similar upside. Would you rather have these guys or Kyle Hendricks? Oh, God. I'm just kidding. Next question. Would you rather have these guys or Charlie Morton, the one starting pitcher I skipped according to the NFC's ADP? Yeah, I have Charlie Morton behind this tier. He's the start of the next tier for me. Do you want to do that today or do you want to do that tomorrow? No, we could, say, we could do like outside the top 30 tomorrow. Okay. Right. One guy that we didn't talk about who Multi? is inside my top 25 is Shane Bieber. Sure. But we, we kind of mentioned him on Friday. The hard hit rate was scary. He lived in the zone a lot last year. Um, he's got to learn that to throw some pitches outside the strike zone. But the swinging strike rate was there. Uh, the whiff rate on his pitches, uh, he's legitimate. Shane, like That's why people are buying into Shane Bieber. He, like Legit control pitcher. Does not walk a lot of guys. But he can learn to nibble a little bit more. And again, I buy into the Cleveland Indians organization. They just developed Clevenger last year. Is it that crazy to imagine uh, that Shane Bieber can take some kind of Clevenger-like leap this season? I don't think it's that crazy. I don't think it's that I'm crazy. In, I, I buy it. I think for a lot, of the re- a lot of the reasons you liked Mike Clevenger last year, you have every right to like Shane Bieber this year. Would you rather have Bieber or this Archer Tanaka group? I think it's what you need, right? I think if you want to be safe, you take the Archer Tanaka group. If you want to take a shot, which I probably would, I'll take Shane Bieber. I'd rather take Shane Bieber. Yeah. All right, tomorrow on the program, the Angels, Andrew Heaney and Tyler Skaggs, Charlie Morton, Eduardo Rodriguez, and more. For Frank Stample, I'm Greg Sussman. Thanks to Matt Modica and the guys downstairs. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope.